Good morning, good morning, good morning. Hey, guys. Good to see you all here today. Glad to be meeting with you in the flesh. Uh, just a couple of announcements here. Well, just one, I think. Oh, no, two. I'm sorry. Uh, right after our second service, of course, today's Communion Sunday, so in the summertime, uh, we have always done a cookout uh, after, after second service, so you guys are more than welcome to come and join us. The church is providing hamburgers and hot dogs, so if you already knew about this and you brought something sweet, uh, and if not, stay and join us anyways if you're able to. Uh, we're just going to break bread and hang out and enjoy one another's fellowship and company. Uh, the only other announcement is that September 12th, right here at the church from 1, uh, 1 p.m. to 5 p.m., we're going to have a marriage seminar. So if you are married, whether it's newlyweds or whether you've been married for 100 years, uh, or if you're thinking of getting married, you think you might ever want to be married. No, I'm kidding. Just joking. Just joking. <laughs> Sorry, love. Um, when I get home, I say, you such a jerk. You such a jerk. Sometimes that's a jerk, and I, yes, yes, honey. Uh, but anyways, we're going to have a, uh, a marriage seminar. It's going to be a time of encouragement. We're going to break in the word together. We're going to talk about what is marriage about. God invented marriage, right? That's why we do the thing. You know what I mean? Uh, marriage has its ups. Marriage has its downs. Sometimes marriage is easy. Sometimes marriage is difficult. But marriage is always intended by God to be a blessing, to be awesome, to be, to be inspiring. Uh, he, the problem is, like everything else in our lives, we get in the way, right? We get in the way. Let's do fr marriage Frank's way. Oh, no, no. Oh, it never goes well when we do that, right? But when we do things God's way, there's a blessing, a great blessing that he has for us through marriage. So that's going to be uh, September 12th. Okay, uh, open your Bibles, if you would, with me to Numbers, the book of Numbers, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, fourth book of the Bible, and we are in chapter 34, if you want to open there with me. And we're going to be talking about the borders of the land of Israel this morning, <clears throat> And you're like, why? Because <laughs> it's in the Bible, that's why. But also, uh, we have amazing truths uh, in God's promises to the nation of Israel. And the good news that comes of that for you and I, and that's what we're going to get into, okay? So, Numbers chapter 34. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we pray that you'd cover this portion of Scripture. Lord, I've written some stuff down, but I pray, Father, that you would say this morning, whatever it is that you want to say, Father, that you would open my mind uh, and speak to these people exactly what it is that they need to hear from you this morning, Father, that you would give them their own portion of, of, of their daily bread, Father, from you. I couldn't possibly know all of their needs and uh, the situations of their hearts and their minds and their lives, Father, but you know every single detail of each of these people's lives, Father, and you have a plan for them, Lord, uh, and you want to speak into their hearts and speak into their lives and use them. So I pray that you would do just that this morning, Father, and encourage us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. <clears throat> Numbers chapter 34. Now, again, uh, the children of Israel are drawing near the promised land. Last week, the last couple weeks, we talked about uh, as they're nearing the Jordan River and the tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, when they came to that port, that side of the Jordan River before crossing over, it was lush, it was fertile, perfect for grazing cattle, and they were people with livestock. And so they said, we want our inheritance to be here on this side of the Jordan River. And for our purposes, today. The only thing that we want to note about that is that was not God's intention. 
God's intention for all of the children of Israel, for all 12 tribes of the children of Israel, was to cross over the Jordan River and to inherit the land that he had promised them, that he had laid out. And I can tell you that at various times and different circumstances and situations in your life, you're going to come upon grazing ground that to you is going to seem perfect, is going to seem all that you need and all that you want and all that you ever dreamed of. Trust God. You understand? Trust God. Don't trust your own imaginations to determine what's best for your life. I implore you, I beg you, uh, the church is full of people with, with broken lives and derailed faith because they've always sought after their own pastures and then sought after God to bless them wherever they chose to graze. And God has given us parameters and God has given us guidelines and God has given us truths from his word so that we can live in his presence, so we can live before him and live this life, as the scripture says, abundantly to live that abundant life. It's not just a church down there with a purple roof, okay? The abundant life that God wants and that God has for each one of us is very real and it is very attainable if, if we follow after him hard and we contain our lives to the tenets of Scripture and to the power and the speaking of His Holy Spirit in our hearts. That's what God has given us. All that somebody or anybody might know for life and godliness, the Bible says, is found in our knowledge of Him. And the two basic things that we have been given, the three basic things that we have been given for our knowledge of Him is first and foremost the Word of God, then we have prayer, and then we have the fellowship together as saints. That's why we're here today. This hopefully is an oasis for you. After a week of crawling through the desert, bumping over rocks, maybe getting stung by a few scorpions, bitten by a few rattlesnakes, alas, you've made it here. Congratulations. Thank you for being here. I also fell through the front door this morning, right? I need you. I need every single one of you. When we gather together, as the scripture says, in the name of Jesus Christ, he says, there I am in the midst of you. His spirit is here. It is present to teach us, to speak to our hearts, and to bring healing. Our part of the bargain is to reach out to him with our hearts of faith. You know, when we go through the stories of the, the, the ministry of Jesus Christ, well, Jesus was moved by faith. That's what moved Jesus. And we have the, the, the story of the woman who had the issue of blood, and she'd sought after doctors, and she'd spent all of her money and all of her fortune. And you have to understand that she was made unclean because of this flow of blood, and so she couldn't live with her family. She couldn't be around friends. She couldn't go to the, te to the temple. She couldn't offer sacrifices there. She was shunned. She was an outcast from society. And in Jesus Christ and in the words he spoke and in the things that he did, she knew if I can just get to him and I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know that I'll be healed. I know that I'll be made well. And certainly, and rather sure enough, is when she finally got to Jesus Christ in these thronging groups of this multitude of people and was able to reach through the bodies and just tug on the hem of his garment, she was instantaneously healed from her lifelong affliction. And Jesus is so moved by this circumstance that he stops in his tracks and he turns around and he says, who touched me? And Peter, always speaking right on time and with such great spiritual insight and wisdom, one of the disciples, right, says, what do you mean? Who touched you? We're standing in a throng of people. 
What do you mean? I don't understand what you mean, Lord. <laughs> you know what I mean? P- Peter, uh, <laughs> uh, what I meant, Peter, was that um, I felt power go out from me. Something in, in what seems to you to be a normal circumstance, what seems and appears to you to be something just every day and nothing out of the ordinary, I want to tell you that something miraculous just happened. Because somebody in the desperation of their life and of their hearts and where they find themselves in this world was willing to press their way through the thronging multitudes and reach out just to get a touch, just to put their hands on the hem of my garment. And because of that faith... Something miraculous just happened, and the woman comes forward and says, it was me. And he asks her about it, and she tells him what she did, and he says, woman, your faith has made you whole. My friends, all of the stuff that we learn through the scriptures, and there's so much, all of the things that it teaches us, all the things that we talk about together, all the words of every song that we sing, and every time that we have fellowship and we break bread together, it is all for naught if we're not willing to go from this place, to strike out from this place place with hearts of faith, to reach out and grasp and attain to the very things that God is promising us through his word. That's how it's attained. That's how it's brought into fruition. That's how it comes to pass is by our belief, our belief. And Jesus makes it very clear that our prayers are to be in accordance with his will. You know, we take that scripture, anything you pray in, in according with the Father's will, anything you ask will be given to you. And it's, oh, well, that's carte blanche. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the new 2020 KX450 looks you know what I mean? I'm going to pray for that. That's God, Lord, Lord, oh, if I, you know, I do moto camp and I, you know, I need a new dirt bike so bad right now. I need it. A new brand new one, you know, with a stand and some other, maybe a truck to go with it, you know, but what Jesus specifically is talking about is that our lives would be lived in such a way that we would be in lockstep and unity with his will for our lives. And what Jesus was pointing out to the disciples and what he was saying to them is if you incline your hearts towards me and you allow yourself to be in lockstep with me and to walk with me through this life and allow me to show you the way and to usher you through, there is nothing that will be impossible. There will be nothing that can stand in your way and there will be nothing that you need and that you ask of your father that will not be given to you. It's not so I can be wealthy and healthy and have all the crap that I want. It's so that I can be in lockstep with my Savior and so that I can see, actually see, actually watch his will, his perfect will be accomplished in my life and the power of his Holy Spirit working in me to pour out to people who are lost and alone and sad and angry, and without hope. That's the purpose. That's the purpose of the calling. And really, that was the purpose of the calling of Abraham. And that was the purpose in the calling of God creating the nation Israel, that they would be a light to the whole world, that the whole world would look to the nation of Israel and see, indeed, there is a God, and that's what it looks like when an entire nation is walking in lobster, lockstep, I almost said lobster fest, with their creator. <laughs> I don't know what's on my mind. Huh, Chuck? Chuck was in Maine. We talked about lobsters. I apologize. That's what God created the nation of Israel for. That's why, to be a light to the Gentiles. 
Not to be just a, a, a faction unto themselves, never reaching out and never seeking to see what God had for them in store for them to do on the entire planet, but rather that they would be a light for all the world to see. Uh, and so uh, Numbers chapter 34, as they're coming towards the promised land, now we talked about the, the, the uh, you know, I'm, gonna tr I'm trying to get away from talking about them crossing over the Jordan, and I just can't seem to leave that portion. We're going to press on towards chapter 34. Now they're coming towards the Jordan River, and God is giving to Moses the boundaries of the land. Chuck, if you want to put up the first slide, you can do that. I have pictures because pictures help me. And so I hoped and thought that maybe that they would help you as well. Is that number one? Uh, go to number two. Go to number three. <laughs> Perfect. I knew they were in order. Okay. Numbers chapter 34. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Command the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land of Canaan... Now, first thing I want to say, okay is when, when, Mo, when God's talking to Moses and he's telling him to talk to the children of Israel, he doesn't say, I want you to suggest, I'd like you to offer your opinion. Moses, you're the man that I've chosen to lead this people. And when you speak to them, it's the words that I've given you. I ain't asking. God isn't asking, right? He's telling us. He's commanding us. At the end of the day, we have to realize he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the king of the whole universe. He's the creator of all things, and he loves us, and he called us according to his purpose, and you are to him a great treasure that he was willing to give all to purchase to himself. But he is God, and there are none beside him, and he demands our worship and our fealty and our obedience. That's something that we can never get twisted, Christians, okay? The things that he has commanded us, the things that he has told us we must do or that we must be are for our good. And that's the faith that we reach out in obedience to accept those things and allow those blessings in our lives. But make no mistake about it, God ain't asking, okay? He's telling, command the children of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land of Canaan, this is the land that shall fall to you as an inheritance, the land of Canaan to its boundaries. Now, this portion we're going to read here is going to mean absolutely nothing to you. That's why I have pictures, okay? Because these are, these are, these are nations, these are peoples that don't exist anymore. Uh, and so you're going to be like, okay, the Perizzites, the Hittites, the Amorites, you know, the, all the ites. Um, your southern border shall be from the wilderness of Zin along the border of Edom. Then your southern border shall extend eastward to the end of the salt sea. Your border shall turn from the southern side of the ascent of Akrabim, continue to Zin, and be on the south of Kadesh Barnea. Then it shall go on to Hazar Adar and continue to Asmon. You guys know where Asmon is. So do I. The border <laughs> shall turn from Asmon to the book of Egypt, and it shall end at the sea. As for the western border, you shall have the great sea for a border. That's the Mediterranean. That I know. This shall be your western border, and this shall be your northern border. From the great sea, you shall mark out your borderline to Mount Hor. From Mount Hor, you shall mark out your border to the entrance of Hamath. Then the direction of the border shall be towards Zedad. The border shall proceed to Ziphron, and it shall end at Hazar Enon. This shall be your northern border. You shall mark out your eastern border from Hazar Enon to Shepham. The border shall go down from Shepham to Riblah on the east side of Ain, 
The border shall go down and reach to the eastern side of the Sea of Sinareth. The border shall go down along the Jordan, and it shall end at the Salt Sea. That's the Dead Sea. I know where that is too, okay? This shall be your land with its surrounding boundaries. Now, that is the blue line that you see. Uh, the, uh, excuse me, the, the red line that you see. The blue line that you see is another, uh, another uh, description of the, of the boundaries of the land that was given by the prophet Ezekiel. But for our purposes, the red line, that's the border that was just laid out, okay? So you guys, you guys know this map. Israel is in the same place it's always been, okay? It hasn't moved. There's Jerusalem, and there's the land of Israel, and there is the boundaries that God gave them to go in and inhabit the land, now, not to go backwards again, but I want you to notice that that boundary, that red boundary is on the western side of the Jordan River. Give me the next slide, Chuck, if you would, sir. Or was it the previous one? Go back to, because <laughs> I was all out of, okay. Now, you see here, see the salt sea down here in the middle at the bottom? And straight up that blue line is the Jordan River. Look where Manasseh and Gad and Reuben are. They are not within those boundaries that God just laid out. And the one thing I know, if I know nothing else, is that I want to live my life within the boundaries that God has laid out for me because he has laid them out for a very specific reason. God doesn't do things in your life for no reason. He has a plan. The trouble that we have with those plans is that we aren't always let in on what he's doing. And that gives me trouble and concern because I need to know, right? We need to know. And God so often says, no, you don't, right? Because if I knew all of the plans and if I knew everything that, would, that God was doing, what do you suppose the odds would be that I wouldn't screw it up somehow? And so God wants us to live our lives before him day by day, but within the boundaries that he has given for us. Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they wanted something different than what God had offered up for them. I'm going to continue reading uh, in verse 13. Then Moses commanded the children of Israel, saying, This is the land which you shall inherit by lot, which the Lord has commanded to give to the nine tribes and to the half-tribe. Verse 14. For the tribe of the children of Reuben, according to the house of their fathers, and the tribe of the children of Gad, according to the house of their fathers, have received their inheritance. You see, that's italicized. It, it's not my inheritance to them. They've received their inheritance. I gave them what they wanted. And the half-tribe of Manasseh has received its inheritance. The two tribes and the half-tribe have received their inheritance on this side of the Jordan, across from Jericho, eastward, toward the sunrise. Towards the sunrise. Okay, um, we're going we're gonna to stop there. I want to uh, turn your attention to, if you want to turn with me, you can. If not, you don't have to. First, or excuse me, 2 Kings chapter 10, 2 Kings chapter 10 verses 32 and 33. Now, we're going to fast forward in history a little bit, real quick, for, the, for our purposes for this verse, these verses, okay? The, the children of Israel go into the promised land. They begin to, 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 uh, to um, embark on their conquest of the land of Canaan. They don't ever drive out all of the inhabitants the way God had instructed them to. 
God specifically told them, when you go into the land that I'm giving you, you will drive out its inhabitants, you will burn their altars, you will tear down their, their idols, you will have absolutely nothing to do with worshiping the Lord your God in the way that they worship their God. For because of the things that they did in the worship of their God is why the calamity of being dispossessed from their land is brought upon them. And if you do the same things that they did, do not think that you are outside of my judgment, right? God's going to go into further detail about this. If you do the things that I've commanded you to do, and if you obey me and you worship me and me alone, you will be blessed, you will live within the land, you will be fruitful, you will have all of the blessings that this life has to offer and a relationship with the Lord your God. But if you are disobedient, then the people that you leave in the land will become a snare to you. And their gods and their idols and their altars will, be, will become a snare to you. Uh, here's the stupidest example in the world, but for me, it always has made sense. Do you guys, you guys all know enough about history to know when Elvis Presley was a rock star, right? Most of us weren't alive during that time. But Elvis Presley was scandalous. He was scandalous. You ever see the movie Forrest Gump? And Elvis comes and stays at his mama's uh, bed and breakfast as she's running. And, and, and at one point after that, he's watching. Elvis is on TV, and, and little Forrest is watching, and she's like, cover your eyes, Forrest. That's not for children's eyes, right? Because Elvis was like, oh, you know, in the way he moved and danced. It was scandalous. It was scandalous. I mean, the biggest G rating on any Disney film is more scandalous than that today. But that was considered scandalous because of the way he moved his hips. And we were told by the culture and we were told by the spirit of that age that you're ridiculous, that this isn't a danger, this isn't a threat to you, there's nothing inherently bad in that, it's just kids having fun, it's just people enjoying themselves. Why do you have to be such a fuddy-duddy? Why do you have to be such a stick-in-the-mud? Fast forward to 2020. Just turn the radio on, if you dare. Parents, listen to your kids' playlist, if you dare. And the reason I know, and I call every one of you little brats out, is because when I was a kid in, back in 1863, in 1993, oh, who said, oh, 1993, that's when the album or the CD, The Chronic, dropped with Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg. That's what I listened to. That was my music, and at that point in time, through the, through, through, the, through, the, through the music that I was introduced to, that I loved, by the way, and was listening to, there was nothing that was taboo. There was nothing that was off limits. And I remember even to myself just saying to myself, boy, is this just really not anything worse that you could possibly say? You know what I mean? I, mean what, I don't think there's anything in existence worse than you could possibly say, and it's continued until this day. That's it, just an example. It's just an example. I'm not trying to convict, I'll convict you a little bit, maybe, hopefully. You know what I'm saying? For heaven's sakes, get the clean version. You know what I mean? If you must. Uh, music is powerful. I'm just going to say this as a side note. I love music. I love hip hop. I love country. I love classical. I listen to all sorts of weird things. I love, love music. Music moves me. Music moves me. I don't lead worship because I'm a musician. I'm not a musician. I don't have uh, uh, mu musical talent. I just love to worship. Like, that's my gift, is worship. I love to worship. I enjoy it so much. Music moves me. I'll be singing praise songs in the car, and I'll be crying and have my own thing going on, God just laying me out in the car while I'm driving to, to some town on the other side of nowhere to do a sprinkler inspection because it moves me so, but all kinds of music move us. 
Some music will move you in a direction that you should be going in or would like to be going in, and some music will put you in a direction that you don't want to be going in. Or maybe you think you want to be going in, but trust me, you don't want to be going in. I never went to the gym before a football game when I was in high school, never listened to praise music before a game. No, to this day, you know what I'm saying? It's been a while since anybody's been to a gym. But when I was going to the gym, if I'm going to lift weights, I can't, I'm not listening to third day. I can't, your love alone, the richest, uh, you know what I mean? Help! I got to get in an aggressive, this is all just bonus material, by the way. I got to get into an aggressive state of mind. I got to listen to something aggressive, okay? And it's all edited, it's all clean. I don't listen to dirty, nasty music. But I'm telling you, I like, I got to listen to something, I got to listen to a little Metallica, okay, or something like that. I'm sorry. But I, th that's, the, that's, that's where I'm at. And I remember having a conversation with a young man when I was, when, when we were uh, both in an apprenticeship program coming through the, the sprinkler trade, and he had a bunch, he was a believer, loved the Lord, but he had a bunch of stuff going on in his life. And he pulled up in his car, and he, what did he have on? But Metallica, da, 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 you know what I mean? Listen to Metallica. And, and I'm looking at his face, he's like this. And look on his face right here. And I was like, what are you doing? He's like, what? And I was like, dude, do you need to be listening to that music right now? He's like, come on, man, there's no, there's nothing that says we can't listen to, you know, it's okay to listen. I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not just judging you for listening to Metallica. I'm not judging you for that at all. What I'm saying to you, I told this young man, is with what's going on in your life and where you're at right now, should you be listening to Metallica? Or would it be profitable for you to be listening to some praise music right now? That, that, that's where you're at. Where, where do you want to be at? Friends, it's garbage in, garbage out, right? I'm a big, everyone knows, I'm a movie guy. I love all the Marvel films. I love it. I love the Hulk, Hulk smash, all that stuff, right? I love it. I'm a dude. I'm a, like dude stuff. I like ultimate fighting. I like all this stuff, okay? But here's the truth, and here's the fact of the matter, and here's the bottom line. Whatever you put in, you're going to get out, if you put garbage in, you're going to get garbage out. And the music that you listen to, and make no mistake about it, friends, the television shows and the, and the movies that we watch affect our lives, affect our attitudes, affect where we are at. The Bible says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we'll have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse us and purify us from all sin. But the convert of that is, the, the, the opposite of that is true as well. If we walk in darkness, if we walk in darkness, everything's going to be dark. Everything in your life is going to go in a different direction than you want it to. I promise you. And so every single person in your walk and in your relationship with Jesus Christ today, you need to make a decision. You need to make a decision. Whose am I? Why am I here? Why am I a Christian why do I believe the things that I believe? And if I believe these things, and if these things are true, then what am I doing about it day to day? Day to day. Some of you may be running from the Lord. Some of you were like, listen, I'm doing my thing, and I don't want to, and, 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 I, and I would never judge you on that. I did that for years and years and years in my life. And what I say to young people when they're running and they're living their life according to their own way and they're, I can't hear you, God, I can't hear you, la, 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 I can't hear you. God will take you back and God will bring you back into the fold and God will bring you back into his blessing. He will bring you back into the borders of the land. The thing is, how much wreckage are you going to leave in your wake? 
How much wreckage, how much destruction are you going to leave in your wake? Because God just doesn't divinely excuse us from the wages of unrighteousness. You understand this, right? You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Our lives are a sum total of the decisions that we've made. Bad things happen to good people. Good things happen to bad people. But if I look at your life, your whole life, the, whole, the, 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 the finished work of your life, you are a sum total of the decisions you've made, right, wrong, or indifferent. Walking with the Lord, not walking with the Lord. Life is life. This is why God is so adamant about the borders. This is why God is so adamant that we remain in him and that we live our lives according to his purposes because he knows the opposite. He knows how that looks. He knows what that does to people. And he is the judge of those things as well. He is the judge of those things. Okay. Um, so, for Second Kings, sorry. Second Kings chapter 10, verses 32 and 33 says, says this. Now, I was right in the middle of my history lesson and I got sidetracked. They come into the land, God gives them the land, they have the time of the judges where it's, they obey God, they're doing well, then they disobey God and they, they start losing to their enemies around them. God raises up a judge, he delivers them, they do well for a time and it was like this, until finally they clamor and say, we want a king. And God brings in Saul to be the first king of the nation of Israel. Saul is followed by King David who slew Goliath and David is followed by his son Solomon, the wisest king, the wisest man that ever lived who wrote Song of Psalms, right? Or the Song of Solomon and also Ecclesiastes. Now, after Solomon, his son Rehoboam doesn't do the right things by his advisors or by the Lord. The kingdom is then divided. And this is known as the history of Israel is the time of the kings. There's a southern kingdom, there's a northern kingdom. But little by little, all through that stretch of time and all through that period of time, the children of Israel were following after the gods of the Canaanites whom God had told them to drive out. And little by little, that's what I'm talking about with the Elvis Presley to the music of today thing. Little by little, they found themselves falling deeper and deeper into apostasy, which apostasy is the departure from God's word. That's apostasy. The departure from God's word and from sound doctrine. And they found themselves deeper and deeper, deeper into the wickedness and the darkness of this world until they were wholly consumed by it. And when the prophets would show up and the prophets would say, look at where you are. There's the story of, uh, of King Josiah. And the prophet comes on the scene and begins to tell the people to repent. And Josiah is this young king, and he wants to follow the Lord. His heart is inclined towards the Lord. So he says, somebody bring me a book of the law. And they have to go and find it. They have to go find a book of the law that's hidden in some side room because it had been completely abandoned. And when they brought out the book of the law, which is the Bible, and they opened it up and began to read it in the presence of the king, the king began to weep, and he began to tear his robes when he realized how far they had fallen from God's original intentions, how far they had come, and they didn't even realize it. It's the, it's the analogy of the Venus flytrap, man. It's the analogy of the Venus flytrap or quicksand or, or insert your analogy here. And so finally, when judgment began to come, it was just starting to come on the nation, as God had promised them, if you reject me, 
I will drive you out of this land as I drove the inhabitants of this land out before you. 2 Kings chapter 10, verses 32 and 33, as we look at the picture behind me, in those days the Lord began to cut off parts of Israel, and Hazael conquered them in all the territory of Israel from the Jordan eastward, all the land of Gilead, Gad, Reuben, Reuben and Manasseh, from Orer, which is by the river Arnon, including Gilead and Bashan, the first ones taken into captivity before any other areas of Israel were ever taken captive by the Assyrians or the Babylonians, the first area taken captive by the enemies of Israel were Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, who had chosen their inheritance on the other side of the Jordan River. I had a whole bunch of stuff. I'm going to wrap up. Here's what I want to encourage you guys with today. I was going to get into a whole history lesson here, but now I don't have time. That's why I pray, Lord, do what you're going to do. I hope, I hope you guys, the Lord spoke to you guys today. God loves you. God has a plan for you. It sounds so cliche. You may have heard that a thousand times in your life, in churches and youth groups, wherever, the, wherever it may be. But I'm telling you today that God has a plan for your life. The land that God promised to the nation of Israel, this is all this other stuff I was going to get to. We'll get to it next week. The land that God had promised the nation of Israel and those borders, he said was an, God bless you, sweetheart, <laughs> was an inheritance to them, he said, forever. Let me just read a couple of verses for you. Jeremiah 31, 35 to 36. Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for a light by day, the ordinance of the moon and the stars for a light by night, who disturbs the sea and its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from before me, says the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me forever. When the waves and the tides stop coming in, and when the moon stops coming up uh, at night and the sun stops coming out at day and the sun doesn't rise in the east and set in the west, when these things stop to happen, that's when my promises to Israel are going to cease. Jeremiah 33, 25 to 26, thus says the Lord, if my covenant is not with day and night and if I have not appointed the ordinance of heaven and earth, then I will cast away the descendants of Jacob and David, my servant, so that I will not take any of his descendants to be rulers over the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for I will cause their captives to return, and I will have mercy on them. First Chronicles 16, 15 to 18, and Psalm 105, 10, remember his covenant forever. The, Lord which he, the word which he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac and confirmed it to Jacob for a statute, to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan as an allotment for your inheritance. The land of Israel, without getting into a whole bunch of political stuff, the land of Israel belongs to the Jewish people by birthright. It, it belongs to the children of Israel because it was given to them by God. Another point in Scripture, God says, the land is mine. He says, the land belongs to me. That's why it's the land of Israel. It's not because of the UN or Great Britain or World War II or the Nazis or anything else. All of the things that were, that were catalysts for this or that happening, they are in their land today. They are an independent nation today because God made promises to them. It's impossible. You don't know any Hittites, do you? You don't know any Amorites. You don't know any Jebusites. You may know some parasites. 
But you know Israelites. You know where they're at. You know who the Jews are. They are to this day a stumbling block to the world. And Jerusalem, just as the Scriptures prophesied, a cup of trembling to the world in the last days. This peace agreement that just happened between the United Arab Emirates and the the native nation of Israel, buckle up, kids. Buckle up. Because we are being thrust into a time about which the Scripture has more to say than about any other time in human history. And we're being thrust into it now. All of the promises that God made and all the prophecies that God gave are being fulfilled today. And the things that he has said are yes and amen. And here's why that's good news for you today. Because we're all a little bit nervous when we watch the news, right? We're all just a little bit nervous about what's next and what's happening. All of these things must take place. Because all of the things that God has prophesied in his word are going to come true. I always say to people, listen to me, if this much of the Bible that Jesus and God said was going to happen came true, guess what I think about this this much? It's going to happen. It's going to take place. The question is, whose are you? The question is, where are you at? That's what matters. That's what matters today. Where are you at? Because here's what's beautiful about the priest. I'm not a Jew. What what does it matter to me? The promises that God made to Israel are everlasting. And I was going to read out of Romans chapter 10. And here's what the great news is for us Gentiles. If the promises that God made to Israel and to the Jewish people are forever and everlasting, guess what that means about the promises he's made to us? It is forever and it is everlasting. He will in no ways cast you out, ever. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. When we are faithless, he remains faithful. The Bible says why? Because he cannot deny himself. Romans chapter 10 talks about us being these wild olive branches that were engrafted into that tree of promise that was given to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the the nation of Israel, that were grafted into that promise. And we have something even greater because we have seen Jesus Christ and seen him fulfilled in, in in our history and seen him fulfilled in our hearts. That's the promise that we have. That's the promise that we're given in the word of God. Believe it. Believe it, you can take it all the way to the bank, man, all the way to the bank. All the other stuff, please don't be distracted. Please don't be distracted by the November election. For heaven's sakes, that's all you're going to be hearing about. That's all you're going to be seeing. That's all anyone's going to be talking about. Trump's a Nazi. Biden's an idiot. We don't know about... Who cares, man? I understand you're Americans, pledge and, and salute and vote. Do your thing, right? You should. But your citizenship is in heaven, Your citizenship is in heaven. The Bible says that our lives are a mist that appears for a moment and then it's gone. I I love walking through the old buildings of downtown Syracuse and see they have one place has a picture of the train that had Abraham Lincoln's body on it when they were taking him to be buried. It was when it came through Syracuse. And you look at all these throngs of people and looking in wonderment and amazement and their lives were just as real as yours. And their dreams and their hopes and their aspirations were just as valid as yours. And they're gone. We look at it and we just go, yeah, the olden days, the olden days, the olden days. Soon you're going to be the olden days. If God tarries, right? And the rapture don't come, God forbid. It's about more than this life. It's about more than this life. 
That's why we're here today, and hopefully that's what God's speaking to your heart. Uh, let's pray, and then I'm going to have the guys come forward. We're going to share communion together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, and thank you for your great love towards us, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would touch our hearts, uh, draw us in close to yourself, Father. Uh, we pray, Father, that you would uh, make of us, Lord, children of promise, uh, of, of, not of the covenant of, of the law, Father, but of the covenant of faith through Abraham. Uh, Father, we pray and ask in Jesus' name that you would convict our hearts where we need conviction, Lord, uh, of the sins and the various things in our lives that aren't pleasing to you, Lord, and help us to always be moving forward in our faith and in our belief and in our trust in you, Lord. We pray, Father, that we would see your blessing in our lives, Lord, as we walk in the light. We pray, Lord, that we would see the promises of your word fulfilled in us, Lord. Uh, Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters around the world, Lord, who are suffering today, Father, who are meeting in secret, Lord, or are passing notes in prisons, uh, Lord, for the, and that's the cost of them worshiping Jesus Christ, uh, who are being sought after to be put to death. Lord, embolden them, empower them, Father, and give us some of their grit. Lord, give us, we pray, the same faith that they have that would enable them to forsake everything in their lives for the upward calling of Jesus Christ, Lord. Help us to have that same kind of faith uh, and help that power from your spirit, Lord, to be activated in us, Lord. We pray that you would bless this time of communion and our fellowship together afterwards, Lord, that you'd bless the food to our bodies and our, and our communion together, Father, the fellowship that we have. And I pray that you'd watch over and protect my brothers and sisters as they go from this place, that you would bless them, Father, wherever they go this week, that you would watch over them, that you would cause your face to shine upon them, Lord, that you would be loving and merciful and gracious to them. And in everything, Lord, lead them to yourself, Lord. Lead them towards you in every place that they go and in everything that they do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on up, guys. <clears throat> so the Lord's Supper has also been called the meal that heals. I read a little book called The Meal That Heals, uh, and it was, a, it was a fascinating, fascinating little read. But Jesus Christ, on the night that he was betrayed, and, and let me just say, first of all, about communion, about communion, about communion. If you consider yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, then communion's for you. If your little kid knows how to say, Jesus loves me, communion's for him, okay? Um, the, the, the only way that you can take communion in an unworthy manner, as the scripture talks about, and eat and drink judgment upon yourselves, is claiming to be one thing when in fact you're another. And breaking the bread and drinking of the cup the way Judas did, knowing that he was going to betray the master. You see, I'm an idiot. And I, who's laughing? Is that my daughter? I'm an idiot. And I prove it daily. Those of you who know me and you've been along me, around me long enough, Doug's like, amen, amen, <laughs> amen. But I love Jesus. That's what, this, that's what it's all about. At the end of the day, we can argue different theologies and different doctrines and different stances on this portion of Scripture or that portion of Scripture. At the end of the day, I love Jesus. Some young man comes to my house someday, I want your daughter's hand in marriage. If I don't kill him, this is what I'm going to say. Who is Jesus and what is he to you? Because that's going to determine my answer. Because my daughters would never disobey me. <laughs> that's going to determine the way, I, the way I answer that young man. Who is Jesus and what is he to you? Because if he says, he's my Lord and my Savior, he's the King of Kings, he's the Lord of Lords, and he's all that I want in this world, then you can marry my daughter. And we'll have a few other conversations as well. Because I know if that's the center of his heart and that's the center of his life, that everything else is going to come into place. I love 
Jesus. And so I'm worthy to take this table. It's not because I did it all right this week. It's not because everything that I thought and everything that I, and every, and every reaction that I had was like Jesus Christ. Not even close. But I love Jesus Christ. And if you love Jesus today, and if you desire to have a relationship with Jesus today, then this table is for you. And if you say, I've never even heard anybody say that before, but I'd like that in my life, then this table is for you. And just, you're in luck. We're doing a baptism afterwards. So today is that maybe for some of you the day of salvation to believe and be baptized, as the scripture says. Jesus Christ wants to be your all in all. He wants to be your all in all. And he gave us this as a reminder. That's what this is, is it's a reminder. It's, it's, it's unleavened bread, it's matzah bread from the kosher aisle in Wegmans and Welch's grape juice. And Welsh's grape juice, that's it's all it is. There's nothing magical, there's nothing holy, you know what I'm saying? We didn't walk down through the aisles going like this, you know what I mean? No, now, now we can use it for communion. This, this, this uh, in and of it by itself, you may find me later down in the Welsh's grape juice drinking it by the gallon and eating spoons of peanut butter, you know what I mean? It's, it's not that. Again, friends, it wasn't the hem of Jesus' garment. It was the faith it was the faith of the woman who said, I believe in who he is. I believe in who he is, and I know that if I could but touch him. Jesus said, whenever you meet together, and as often as you break, break bread together and drink of this cup together, do it in remembrance of me, that I gave my all for you, that I allowed my body to be broken and beaten and battered and slaughtered and my blood to be all spilled out for no other reason than I love you individually, personally, and that I want you to be my own. That's what this is all about. So if that's where your heart is at, please share this with us.
a okay song, isn't it? Every single thing that he did was for you. It was for you. Like, you know, we talk about um, self-esteem and that kind of stuff. <laughs> I don't know anything better to tell you about yourself but that God loved you so much that he sent his only son to die on the cross for you individually, that he had that kind of passionate love about you, his own special creation. It's just the greatest news I could ever give anybody or the greatest thing that I could ever tell uh, anybody about themselves is that you are of high, high worth and value to the creator. And he wants to be the center of your life. He wants to be the borders around which you walk this earth. That's what he wants, relationship, fellowship, and that's what this is all about. Jesus made it all possible. He atoned for our sins by his own blood. He became that sacrificial lamb once and for all time to die for the sins of all mankind. Every sin you've ever done, every sin you ever will do, covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. So let's share that together in that hope. Amen. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the covenant that was sealed with the blood of your very son and the promises that you've made to us, your church, Lord. We ask and pray, Father, that you would help us to follow after him, to seek to walk in his steps, uh, Lord, and to live our lives before you, Lord, and to walk in the light that you've given us by the power of your spirit to walk in. We pray that you would make us quick to repent, <laughs> quick to get back up when we fall, Lord, and to run back into your arms. And we pray, Lord God, that you would help us to be that light and that salt, Father, that could share that love and that truth, that good news, Father, wherever it is that we go, Lord. So have your way in us, Father. Make us your very own, Lord. Mold us and make us as you see fit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, everybody.